Hello and welcome to Crowdfunding Champions, where we learn from some of the most successful crowdfunding campaigns. I'm Rob Wilson, and I'm pleased to introduce our first ever recorded interview with Neil Campbell, VP of Growth at Moneybox, who recently raised over £7 million on Crowdcube. Neil, thank you so much for, for taking the time today. Really excited to, uh, to be interviewing this morning. Um, would you be able to just start off by just telling us a little bit about Moneybox and your role in the company? Uh, yes, so uh, Moneybox is a sort of saving and investing app, and um, we're there to basically help everyone kind of save and invest uh, for their future. Uh, in, in a world in which the kind of wealth management industry is set up to really kind of serve people once they are already wealthy, Moneybox takes an earlier view, which is that we're going to give you the tools to help you kind of build up uh, your wealth, um, and that is basically a whole range of kind of products. So it's everything from savings accounts, offering kind of good rates of interest. Uh, it's all the tools to kind of get you into the habit of saving and sort of putting money aside, such as roundups from your kind of bank account purchases, weeklies and kind of monthly deposits, tools to help you kind of set goals. Uh, and then as well as the savings products, we also have a full range of investment products. So the standard sort of stocks and shares, uh, ICEs, um, general investment accounts, uh, lifetime ICEs, both in a cash version and a, a stocks and shares version, which are Obviously, kind of great product for uh, buying your first home because there's a 25% kind of government bonus that goes into those. Uh, and then we also offer pensions as well. So really kind of thinking about the long term. All those kind of investments are sort of invested into sort of cheap, low-cost tracker funds, very much with a sort of emphasis of kind of set and forget and sort of really be surprised once you sort of start to make momentum in that. Um, we also offer a, a kind of socially responsible or kind of ESG fund. Uh, which is great as well for people who want to kind of you know, make a statement with their money and make sure their kind of sort of money matters in terms of you know, investing into their kind of own personal principles. Um, my role at the company, um, so I'm the VP of growth. So I essentially kind of look after um, you know, new customers kind of coming on to the kind of Moneybox platform. And then when they're on the platform, how do they, um, how do they engage with the platform? So how do they, you know, use the service more deeply? How do they, um, uh, you know, get the most out of the service, use all our kind of tools, be that putting more money into their accounts, opening new accounts, you know, using the tools to set goals, etc. Fantastic. And so you recently closed your, your first uh, Crowdcube campaign, raising uh, over £7 million from nearly 17,000 investors, uh, which I know is the, uh, the second uh, most uh, sort of successful campaign uh, to date on Crowdcube. How did it feel to you know, get that kind of response from you know, sort of both your community and sort of the wider uh, you know, sort of Crowdcube investor base? Uh, yeah, that, that's a really good question, actually. Um, so, yeah, we were very, very pleased with the, uh, with the kind of crowdfunding round. It's one of those things that we always wanted to have the opportunity to include our customers in, um, you know, in the kind of success of Moneybox. Uh, you know, we have more than 500,000 customers now. Um, we know that they're kind of big advocates of Moneybox. And for a lot of people, that you know, Moneybox has really helped them kind of along their kind of journey with their kind of financial goals. And so we just really wanted an, an opportunity to let them kind of participate in that. And that was actually one of our kind of main reasons for kind of doing the crowdfund round was um, we'd already raised 30 million pounds of institutional money. Um, and so the crowdfunding was really an add-on to that. It wasn't a sort of, you know, we, we desperately kind of need the money. It was more a case of we'd really like people to participate and help mm -hmm. to kind of turn them into advocates. Um, now, when you do these things, you... You know, it's always a bit of a kind of shot into the kind of dark. You just don't quite know what the level of response is going to be. 
you know, how quickly it's going to go. Uh, and so we were very, very pleased that, you know, when we did actually kind of push it live, um, we just had a massive response from kind of customers and it went, you know, very, very well. Um, you know, we raised seven million uh, pounds. Uh, I think it was in about, uh, I guess, you know, a day and a half, essentially, that the, the campaign was kind of live for. The vast majority of that money kind of came from uh, existing kind of customers. Um, so we're just really kind of pleased that we'd really, we really we went externally to the Crowdcube investors as well, but just really pleased that the vast majority was filled um, initially because it was only open for the first day from uh, to our existing customers. Uh, and so it was great just to kind of see that. Uh, and what was particularly pleasing was, as you said, there the the, the total number of investors was very high. So you know, sixteen thousand um, is is a really kind of great number. Um, especially as you know, some of the kind of previous stuff in the UK was like seven or eight thousand. Um, so the fact that we got you know a lot of sort of you know slightly smaller kind of investment amounts, but you know a lot more kind of investors involved was was absolutely great. And you mentioned there that this sort of formed part of your your Series C fundraise. Um, we've seen you know sort of other fintechs such as Free Trade launching crowdfunding campaigns sort of much earlier on in their sort of funding journey. Was there a reason why you waited for your Series C to to launch your first crowdfunding campaign? Um, not especially. And um, to be honest, we just kind of felt it was the right time. We thought about it at the sort of Series B, and it just it didn't quite hit the sort of the priority list. You know, when you're kind of executing as a kind of company, and you know, you just want to get on and kind of build the product and build the business. Um, you know, it, it kind of felt a bit additional, um, and it just felt for for us this, the timing was right at the Series C stage. Um, so that was it's kind of why we did it. There's no special reason why we didn't do it earlier, but it just felt the right time for us. Yeah, good stuff. And you obviously you mentioned there as well that you know that the level of support from from your uh, your own sort of user base was was high. Did you see uh, you know sort of your crowdfunding campaign as a as a sort of a tool as a mechanism to actually convert uh, you know sort of investors that may not have actually used the, uh, the you know the, the app before? Um, we, in some senses, yes, yes and no. So um, we didn't do anything kind of complicated where we sort of went, went massively kind of public and sort of said join Moneybox in order to you know get the ability to kind of invest into our kind of. Uh, into our kind of crowdfund round, we we really kind of kept it to the existing sort of customers. And like w- one of the bits of advice that I would always have for kind of doing kind of crowdfunding rounds is it's kind of keep it simple. You know, if you you got to be very kind of clear on your objectives and and just really kind of focus on those because once you sort of get on to adding things on and thinking of complicated schemes to incentivize people to download the app and see it as kind of customer acquisition, it just all gets a bit kind of complicated and messy. Um, and what we really kind of thought was like it's, it's very clear it's about rewarding existing kind of customers and you know kind of making a bit of a splash uh, for the company and and getting it done you know as quick and sort of simply as kind of possible. Uh, and so the more complicated stuff around oh could we have an incentive scheme or you know should we only allow people who have more than X pounds in their money box account to invest? We just sort of thought that just muddies the water. Let's just keep it very very simple. Um, uh, and so, yeah, that, that's the kind of approach that we, we took. Um, obviously you see, it, you see it positive from the kind of PR that you get and from the general kind of buzz around the company. And it's something that sort of adds to your reputation on an ongoing basis, but we didn't see it as a massive kind of customer acquisition event or anything like that. Yeah. Okay. And one thing that I, I, I do want to ask, obviously you launched, uh, on Crowdcube. Um, uh, now I'm sure when you, when you were sort of looking into crowdfunding, mm-hmm. you know, there were other platforms such as Cedars. 
was there a specific reason why you sort of went to to crowdcube uh, yeah well it doesn't make much difference now that they're uh, they're both merging um, yep. so um yeah so so for us for, for our level of uh, kind of company um and the sort of size of raise and the sort of sophistication you know we're way beyond the sort of you know we have a great idea kind of buy into the vision stage this was you know big amounts of money and so the two choices are really crowdcube and cedars and so those are the, the main two that we kind of assessed um I have to be very honest. I think both of them would have done a, a kind of great job. Um, you know, I think it would have been a successful raise, whoever we had uh, kind of done it with. Um, the thing that sort of edged it towards kind of Crowdcube was was mostly just the kind of fit with the kind of team there. So um, what we sort of liked was we set out their objectives, and then they were kind of very clear about what we'd have to do to kind of you know meet those objectives, um, and, including sort of just telling us stuff that was you know kind of you know that's just superfluous if you want to work it this way just don't do that so the, the classic example being um uh you know taking payments in app so you know we, we take money from our customers every week you know there's definitely a mechanism by which we could have you know changed the app in order to you know take the crowdfund payment in the kind of week of the kind of crowdfund and then you know, kind of process itself, maybe save some fees for that kind of payment processing, you know, could have made a sort of, you know, probably a tighter experience with a bit more kind of conversion. Um, but, you know, kind of Crowdcube turned around and sort of said, look, if you really want to do this quickly, you want to make splash and get out and kind of get on with kind of building the business. This stuff is just superfluous, you know. So I, I guess I would sum it up as a feeling that they they told us what we needed to hear, not what we wanted to hear. Um, and so they kind of guided us to work for some of that stuff. And that's really why we kind of chose them. We just kind of thought they, they had a, a, a bit more kind of straightforward approach. I, sh I should add, um, they, they probably had a slightly stronger brand name in terms of sort of large fintechs as well, which was, was kind of another kind of factor. And and just picking up there on on the sort of time frame, you mentioned that, you know, you were really looking to, to get this done, you know, as quickly as possible. Talk me through the the sort of uh, you know the lead up to the campaign. What did you do to sort of prepare for the campaign, and were there any sort of specific things that you know worked well, or you know I guess on reflection you would do sort of differently next time? Um, yeah, so um, we were very kind of conscious of like this could be a distraction, you know, so we could sort of be noodling away on this for three months, and you know, kind of sort of consume our our lives. And so the timeline for us was probably. About six months out, we sort of decided that we were going to do it, and we sort of you know got the kind of board permission and everything kind of ready, uh, which is pretty straightforward. Um, then you know about probably six to three months out, we just you know did the sort of vendor selection process. So you know we kind of you know chose Crowdcube, um, you know, and again that was pretty low effort. You know, just a kind of bunch of meetings and a bunch of. Um, uh, you know, just assessing and sort of catching up. Um, and then once we kind of made a decision about three months out on it, um, we actually put the whole thing on hold and sort of said, right, we're going to go in um, sort of late July when we kind of finally went. Um, but we're going to put the whole thing on hold until about four weeks uh, before, or kind of five weeks before. And then we had a fairly intense kind of period where I was probably working on it sort of 70% of my time. And um, one uh, girl, Annie, from our kind of marketing team, who's sort of doing a lot of the kind of content and sort of building the video production, things like that, um, she probably worked on it sort of 100% of her time. And so we had a pretty intense sort of three-week period 
where we just got everything, all the materials together, got everything kind of lined up, got all the kind of messages sort of tied up, um, got the video shot and well scripted and then shot and then edited. Um, and so, yeah, we, we kind of like, like focused it all in because we just didn't want to have this sort of, you know, sixth month. We're continually building the deck. We're mm. continually changing it. We wanted to get everyone sort of focused on it. Um, and so we, we pretty much did that kind of three week process. Um, we and then that was meant to be the kind of start of the sort of two weeks you know we'll tell customers then there's a kind of build up to the actual going live we'll then put it live and then we'll run it for anywhere between you know you know, two days and, and a week we weren't kind of sh- quite sure how long it would go for and um, what actually happened is that we did that kind of three weeks uh and then just because of a bunch of other things we were talking to customers about and a bit of timing we kind of delayed the whole thing two weeks. So we kind of did nothing on it for two weeks. And then we kind of kicked off that sort of intense process two weeks later. Um, and then the, the sort of intense process basically starts with, you know, the first time it goes live into the kind of press, a whole kind of string of kind of communications that you're kind of sending to customers to get them to pre-register. Uh, once they kind of pre-register, they went on to a sort of different sort of slightly more high frequency um, uh, set of communications. And that all kind of built up to the day when we sort of went live. And then when we went live, it was a literally kind of all hands on deck, just tracking it, answering kind of queries as they came through and, you know, generally managing the whole thing, trying to take a decision about when we were going to close it, et cetera. Um, and so I guess the advice I would, uh, I would give to people would be, um, Make the put a lot of effort into the video. It's it's the one thing that sort of everyone kind of watches in some form, um, and so the video is just worth. It doesn't have to be really high production. You know, we kind of you, you could get away with kind of doing it on on an iPhone if you really had to. Um, ours we kind of we shot it with a very small kind of crew because um, in the middle of kind of lockdown, so it was all socially distanced. Um, but it was pretty simple. It was, you know, two of the found the two founders and one uh, investor giving a piece of camera, and then we kind of wrapped it up with a bit of kind of music and a bit of kind of on screen graphics. But it's it's worth kind of putting that in. So you know, having a budget for that for a proper camera crew, which is probably you know three or four thousand pounds, um, and so that's really worth kind of putting the effort into. Um, the other thing is decide in advance what your kind of sales pitch is. Um, you know, and really just sort of execute on that. So our, our sales pitch pretty much was we've already raised a bunch of institutional money. So there's lots of investors who are, this is their professional job who have kind of invested. You get to invest on the same terms. We're making great progress. And that was pretty much it. Yeah. And so that was, um, you know, what we kind of got across in the kind of documents and all the kind of presentations was just kind of hitting those points, uh, through it. Um, the other kind of thing that I think advice I would give is that the investor presentation is is pretty much the most detailed document. So it's the thing that pretty much contains everything. It sort of contains all the team bios. It contains, you know, all the kind of any data that you're going to share. Um, uh, it contains the sort of narrative of the kind of product and why you set it up. And so it's kind of the first thing to do. And then everything else sort of, you know, follows from that essentially. Um, and so that's what we kind of thought. We kind of got the vibe right in the investor presentation. And then we used that to kind of shape a lot of the other stuff uh, as well. Um, and then other bits of advice, I would say, uh, think of everything, you know, so it's it's not just those materials. So one of the big things for us is that on the actual day it goes live, you just get a whole bunch of kind of questions. Um, we're, we're a regulated industry. And so, you know, we have to be very careful about what we say to kind of customers, especially with, you know, 
we have customers who are savers and here is an investment, which is an investment in a kind of startup company. It's an illiquid investment. And so it would be irresponsible for us to sort of push that kind of hell for leather. And so all our kind of communications have to kind of go through compliance. And if all the kind of communications go through compliance, but you want to respond on the day, then you know you need to have some of those kind of things prepared in advance. So there's a little bit of like, just think of everything that anyone could ask. We spent a lot of time going through other kind of pitches and their forums and just seeing the kind of questions that people asked to make sure that we had you know a stock answer for pretty much everything. And then on the day, it sort of became a case of, right, here is a question, right? We've got these two answers. They both kind of cover it. I've sort of mashed it together into one compliance. I've had a quick check. They're happy and we post it. And I think that's important to kind of keep the momentum going. So as people ask these sort of questions, they, you know, if they're getting quick responses, then people sort of see that the company's really engaged and it kind of sets the tone. And that's how you kind of build momentum through the day. Yeah. And just to pick up on that engagement point is something that I noticed when the campaign was live. It's just the number of users that were actually coming back to investors and, and being that sort of first point of call. And I think, you know, from an investor's perspective, that was just so encouraging to see you know, such advocacy for, you know, sort of money box and the product where, you know, your your users were actually sort of getting involved on that discussion forum? Yeah. So so our policy on the forum was we would kind of answer the first question, um, but we wouldn't kind of get involved in the sort of you know back and forward kind of chat around it. So we would kind of give a you know good, well thought out kind of clear answer with as much information as we could to the first question, then we wouldn't kind of go back and forward. And then, so it's really great when you sort of see the engaged users kind of get in and then basically have that kind of back and forth with it as well. Um, especially because you know, lots of people ask a question that we we don't really have an answer for, you know? So lots of people would sort of say, you know, how much is my investment going to be worth in five years? And, you know, as you know, that, that's an impossible kind of question for answer. The, the answer is it's going to be worth as absolutely as much as we can make it be worth because we're all very strongly incentivized to kind of grow the company and, you know, we are shareholders too. And so, but, you know, a lot of people are looking for, oh, I, it's going to be a 5X, like who knows? Uh, like, so, so it's kind of good that, you know, other users can get involved and sort of say, well, clearly the company's not going to answer that because they just don't know. So, yeah. so same with them, how are you going to exit? You know, are you going to IPO in three years? Is that, I don't know. It's kind of, you know, <laughs> we were too, too busy kind of building money boxes of business. Yeah. Okay. And um, just sort of, you know, reflecting on the campaign and, and you know, the sort of the, the lead up, was there anything that you think you would do differently if you were to, to launch, uh, you know, sort of a campaign again? I don't, I honestly don't think so. Um, uh, I think, yeah, like in, in hindsight, it kind of went better than we were expecting. Um, but I guess that, that sort of unsurety kind of point of, um you know, you just don't know until you kind of put it out there how well it's it's going to go. Um, and so I think, yeah, that, that, that was one thing. I, I think that maybe we would have been a bit more confident. Had we been more confident that it was going to go quicker, then we could have communicated to customers that it was probably going to go pretty quickly. And therefore, you know, they, they should have, you know, if they want to get involved, they should think about it on the day. There's a kind of, we had a couple of gripes from people who sort of said, oh, I was going to think about it tonight. I was going to go through all the materials. And, you know, you guys have, we essentially sold out because uh, with these, uh, with these kind of crowd funds, you, 
there there is a limit, which is essentially eight million euros um, above which you can't raise any more than that without kind of having a full prospectus and all investment bankers in a very expensive kind of process. And so it effectively kind of puts a limit at about seven million pounds on the whole thing. And so um, yeah, we, we effectively kind of sold out, but there were some kind of investors here like, oh, I was going to consider it tonight and I really want to get through it and now I've kind of missed out. And and so that was, I think, if we'd sort of in hindsight had known that it was going to go that kind of quickly, we probably would have prepared people for that a little bit more. Whereas going into it, we didn't know if it was going to be three days, a week. I, I don't think we would have gone much longer in the week because as I say, it was less about the money and more about kind of allowing customers time to invest for us. Yeah. Okay. And now you've launched, uh, you know, sort of your, your first crowdfunding campaign. Will there be a, a follow-up? Do you see yourself launching another campaign in the future? Um, it's, it's kind of yes and no, or kind of yes, no, and maybe. Um, so yes, it was a very positive experience. Um, very happy to kind of have customers as, as kind of shareholders. And in fact, um, uh, at the minute, we have an incentive scheme for uh, pension people. So if you transfer a kind of pension to, to Moneybox, we will give you some free shares uh, in Moneybox as a, um, as a kind of incentive to, to get you over that sort of hurdle of, you know, sorting out your pensions and consulting your old workplace pensions is one of those jobs that everyone knows they need to do and kind of get on top of it. But no one's actually kind of, you know, it's hard to have the incentive to do it. So it's kind of getting them over that hurdle. So we're very kind of keen on on share ownership, and therefore, you know, very positive from that perspective. Um, however, you know, we have a lot of money in in the bank now, and so you know, we're sort of as a company heads down executing on the future. We've got lots of kind of exciting kind of product extensions that we're kind of working on that that we will sort of be launched in due course, and therefore, it's it's a kind of case of well, I I, I can't conceive of in the next two years of us kind of you know, needing the money and kind of wanting to do it for that reason. Um, but then the maybe because you just never know, you know, it, it could be that we suddenly find a great investment opportunity that we, you know, want more capital for. And, you know, and if we were to kind of go out and do that, you know, do the institutional thing, I think we'd also kind of look at that crowdfunding again, because it was so positive uh, last time. So yeah, it's, it's kind of an interesting one. Um, one of the big advantages for us actually is, um, you know, we kept the sort of perks of the kind of crowdfunding thing quite, um, kind of limited. Uh, but one of the things we do have is a sort of, you know, a, a shareholder forum where kind of people can ask questions and kind of get involved. And that's been really, really valuable for us in terms of just having, a um, uh, you know, base of customers who are very engaged and can sort of, you know, tell us what they think of the product and what they think of some of our ideas. So. That's very valuable. Good stuff. Now, Neil, I'm, I'm conscious of time. So, are there any uh, sort of uh, you know final bits of, of wisdom, you know, sort of or advice that you'd like to sort of share with the community? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I think it's one, it's one of those things where um, if, if you're going to do it, it, it is a big kind of sink of time, and so you've got to just think about how do I, you know, do, do I have of the staff to um, you know dedicate one or two people to it to kind of really make it a, a success, and and it's one of those things that you know CrowdCube or Cedars can really help you along the way and tell you the kind of different um, sort of points that you're trying to hit along the way, but they can't do the work for you, you know. So so they'll kind of make sure that you're sort of on on process, but they, they can't to do it for you, and so I. 
just go into it realizing that it is a lot of work and it's going to distract you from, you know, for about a month and a half kind of period about what we're doing. But at the same time, it's also very, very positive for the kind of businesses to create a real buzz around kind of employees as well. Because in a lot of cases, it's the first time you've shared a lot of information kind of externally. Um, so yeah, so that, that would be one kind of bit of advice. And then the other one actually would be um, just decide in advance what, what material you're kind of willing to share and you know, why or why not, because you'll get lots of questions around, can you share me this, you know, from P&Ls to cohort charts to marketing kind of cost per acquisitions. Um, you know, so really just have a, a clear idea in your mind. This is what I'm willing to share. This is what I'm not such that you, you know, when so people come and kind of ask the question, it's, uh, you know, it's something that you have a clear answer on. So for, for us, the only bits of information that we kind of shared that we hadn't shared beforehand was, uh, someone asked about just what was the sort of, you know, the equivalent share price of sort of previous investment rounds. So in their head, they just wanted to sort of see what was the kind of progression of the share price from series A to series B to series C, which is actually something you could have worked out if you sort of read the numbers off the charts and things like that. And so we, um, so we're happy to kind of to do that for them. Um, and then another one was um, ours kind of went live right in the middle of sort of the whole Black Lives Matter, you know, when it was kind of top of the news agenda. Um, and so we had a couple of questions around, you know, well, what's the makeup of the team? You know, what are the sort of nationalities and genders and things of the team? And so, yeah, that, that was when we thought that's a fair enough question. So we kind of, you know, heard something of that and released it. Everything else was pretty much, you know, we, we haven't shared it. So, you know, cohort charts being a good example you know, we look at them all the time. They're super important to us. Um, we're on top of it and we're happy with how they're progressing, but it's not something that we're going to share. Because the other thing to remember is that your competitors are looking at this stuff. So you've got to be very careful that you know about what information that you share. Okay, fantastic. Well, Neil, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for uh, for, for being here and and, and sharing your, um, your your advice and your experience of, uh, of launching on Crowdcube. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. Thank you very much for, for having me on. And uh, yeah, all the best. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more advice, head over to crowdfundingchampions.com and be sure to subscribe for the latest interviews. 